people said about Azusa. They said that you could hear that groaning and that travailing and intercession into the late hours of the night in the surrounding neighborhood around there. You could hear it. It pierced the night. And um, before Brother Bennett comes, I want him just to tell a couple of revival stories. You can stay where you're at over there, brother. But while he's thinking of one or two revival stories to share real quick, preachers love to be put on the spot, right, brother? Anyway, while he's thinking of that, I was just going to mention again about Azusa. But, you know, here was a place that, that the glory of God was so strong that people that were there, there was a man, Tommy, I, I can't remember his last name. What is it? No. Um, anyway, this guy wrote a book talking about the uh, revival of uh, Susan. But he was saying from eyewitnesses that the glory of God was, it was there, and there would be like a cloud. Literally, you could see it on the floor. And they begin to worship in tongues, and the glory of God would begin to rise up off that floor, and people could just see it. It was just a, a cloud of God's presence. How awesome is that? All right, brother, you want to tell a couple of revival stories for me? We, uh, I shared this with Pastor, I think, just the other day, but uh, a friend of mine over in uh, Shakota, Oklahoma, they, they actually have a, a small storefront church. Um, uh, maybe the building just a little bigger than this, but for about oh, a year and a half, they cried out for revival. They met every morning at uh, 6 o'clock for prayer. Sometimes there would be five people, sometimes there would be 80, but... They were crying out for revival week after week after week. Man. And uh, after, after about a year and a half of just crying out, and this had to have been uh, 1999, maybe 2000, they had a, an evangelist that came in and was just supposed to be there for a couple days, and a couple days turned into a week, and a week turned into two weeks. But after two weeks, um, they were concerned that it would become monotonous. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be just a pure move of God that it was just service. And many of you know that when Brownsville started, even though they're in the early days of it, it was just the church. Yeah. It wasn't, people weren't coming in bus loads or anything like that. It was just the church. Well, that's where they were, and they wanted more than that. They were crying out, God, we want more than this just being a move of God in our local church. And so the last service, it was a, it was a Friday night, and they, they said, God, do something tonight that will let us know this is a sovereign move of God. And that this is you and we know we're supposed to continue on and go past tonight. So during the altar time, it was actually the pastor's wife and she's a good friend of mine. And she was walking through and they had, uh, everybody had come up for prayer and they were praying for people. And she walked up and they, you know, once faith gets aroused, people will start responding and they'll come in faith. And so they'll start bringing the sick and the maimed. And, and they'd had a lot of healings that took place, but they brought in this, this precious lady, brought in her little son, and he was completely blind. And he hadn't been blind from birth, but he'd been blind most of his life. And uh, Sister Margie leaned over, and she's about this tall. So, and about the same around, you know. So she stood there, and she prayed over this little boy, and she cursed blindness, and she released healing over him. And she spent some time, and there were others praying, and there was a lot going on. And she spoke life over him. And after a while, she went on to his, she went on to his mom, really seeking God and asking mom, God to be there for this precious mom. And then all of a sudden, the little boy leaned up and started grabbing his mom's arm and tugging on her. And um, she just ignored it for a minute. And then he leaned up again and started doing the same thing. The third time, she leaned down and looked at him and said, Baby, you've had prayer. Mama wants prayer right now. And the little boy looked at his mom and said, But Mommy, I can see. And God had opened up the eyes of that little boy. They went on to have revival for almost three years. And the, it literally, I don't know how many hundred. Now, again, we're not talking about a church that, that seated thousands of people or had any kind of impact uh, on, uh, on the region at all. They were, just a, they were just a group of people that were hungry for revival. But that revival literally touched the world. That's awesome. Thank you, brother. Well, guys, we're going to get into the word of the Lord here in a moment. How many of you guys love and appreciate Brother Benny? Yeah. <clears throat> Every time he comes, it's always been really powerful. Tonight, if, if you need healing from anything, um, he's going to be praying for people, so let him know. If you need to be set free from something. I mean, notice that what Brother John was talking about last night when he was with us. You know, what does the devil have in people's lives? A lot of times, he was talking about last night, it could be lust, it could be greed, it could be... Uh, some kind of a bondage or whatever and that very thing is the thing that the enemy will use in their life and he talked about a little crack in the door 
will let a snake in. He gave that story about the snake in his house. But um, anyway, that, that's true. And so tonight, if you need to be set free from something that's been a besetting sin that's held you back, okay, when we pray for people, let him know, and we'll, we'll agree and, and pray for you. And also, um, how many of you guys have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues, clothed in power? All right. If you need that tonight, just let us know we're praying for people. Let me tell you, we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need it, especially in these days that we're living. We need that power. It's a clothing of power. It's a strength in, the, in God. And Derek Prince said that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the introduction to the supernatural life in Christianity. I would agree with that. That's true. So I'm going to go ahead and give this over to Brother Benny. And y'all let him know how much you love and appreciate him tonight as he comes. And we want you to take your liberty, brother. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Oh, come on. Give him a praise that he's worthy. Amen. Amen. Come on. Praise God. Amen. And uh, give these precious, wonderful pastors a good God bless you. Amen. We love you. We honor you. Amen. Come on. Give them a, 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 a good old, uh, a good old fashioned. Thank you. We love you. Amen. Uh, you have a, the Bible tells us we call them, we call them offices, don't we? We, you know, the, the, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, the evangelist, we call them, we call them uh, offices. They're gifts. So these precious people are gifts to the body. They're gifts to you. And, uh, man, they shepherd you well. Amen. Take good care of you. And, uh, you know, uh, the Lord, Lord dealt with me years ago, and I, and I preached a message called Fat Sheep. <laughs> you know, and uh, because, uh, but you get a lot of word here. Uh, but also, you stay very busy, so you, you utilize that word. You don't have a storage bank of it, amen? So you're out there, and you're utilizing it. So, uh, so man, we honor you, uh, Pastor Scott and Sandy. We just appreciate you so much, and we pray God blesses you and multiplies everything that you put your hands to, amen? So could you take just a second and just slip up your hands and just love on the, love on the Lord for a minute? Unless now the, the Holy Spirit is already here. Precious Holy Ghost is already in the house. We just want to make him just so welcome tonight. We just want to make over him and let him know that we've rolled out the red carpet for him tonight and whatever it is that he wants to do, whatever it is that he wants to accomplish, that, that he's just, he has free reign here tonight. So Holy Spirit, we just we welcome you into this house. Lord, this is your service. We are willing participants in whatever it is you want to do, God. God, at any moment, if you just want to break out, break out, Spirit. At any moment, if you want to heal somebody, just heal them, Lord. Lord, you have free reign. Lord, we release ministering angels to minister in this house. Right now, we, we, we send you to speak words of knowledge, to, to wake up the sleeping things, to speak life to the dead things. God, we thank you for it, and we give you the glory, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. I'll just pray in the Holy Ghost for a minute. Amen. Amen. I feel a strong prophetic unction in the house tonight. Strong prophetic unction. Lord, I just love you and I praise you, God. Lord, I magnify you. Come on, press in just for a minute. Just press in. Lord, we praise you, God. Lord, we praise you, God. Lord, we praise you, God. God, right now we break every hindrance. Right now in Jesus' name. Tonight we plow through with the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we praise you, God. Lord, we praise you and we magnify you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I, I glorify you, Lord. I heard the Lord speaking to me even as I was sitting over here during worship. And I heard the Lord, he called this place a womb. And that, uh, that God was, uh, there was a gestation that was taking place in this house. And that uh, many of you, you are in the womb stage. And it's, it's not God suggesting that you're a baby, but what's happening is, is you are being birthed into what God's called you into. 
There's five-fold ministry that is being pressed out of this house. There are gifts, talents, and abilities that are being pressed out of this house. This is a this is a womb place, and through the umbilical cord of the presence of God, God is feeding you and supernaturally nurturing you. And the Lord says that you're going to be strong. And I also heard you giving birth to sounds and music. Of course, last night during the worship, uh, at the end of the service, what an awesome moment! But and the travailing and the weeping and the glory of God was in the house so strong that I heard you giving birth to songs and uh, and songs of revival and I know that it is your culture you sing a lot of the songs of revival but the Lord says there are new sounds that are going to invade the house new sounds that are going to invade your worship and, and they won't be limited to just this house that there'll be others that will catch the fire and they'll catch the glory and there'll be sounds that will literally go through the nation and I declare that God is raising up apostolic ministry in this house and that God is stirring the gifts inside of you and God is releasing you and activating you to go into the highways and into the byways to fulfill his purpose and will and know that God has sent angelic activity ahead of you and a host of angels has gone ahead of you and is going to protect you as you go into even hard and dark places even as there are hard and dark things that have happened around this facility i declare to you that in this womb you're protected and in this house the hand of god is going to be on you in a mighty mighty way and the enemy will not be able to stop what god is doing in this house and we declare it done now in jesus name Amen. Here a few years ago, and, and I, I want to share some things with you. The Lord's really been speaking to me, and he's been talking about you all, you to me all day. And uh, I felt like there's somebody who's supposed to be here who hasn't made it yet. And I'm not sure if that's still the case or not, but as I was sitting there, I kept hearing the Lord saying that he was waiting on somebody. And uh, then to, even today while I was praying, there were several people that, uh, uh, that, that their faces fell before me, and I've, and I've not seen them yet, and that's okay. You know, but uh, but I really think God's getting ready to do something. So so let's not be surprised if somebody comes staggering in just a little bit, okay? Because I really feel like God's getting ready to do something, Amen. And uh, but but uh, the Lord's been speaking to me this week. Uh, I, I and I don't say this in a boastful way because it's nothing to boast about. You know, I hear people talk about they pray eight or ten hours a day, and that's wonderful. You know, and I and I know people who do that. You know, but. But uh, what I've learned is I don't really have a desire to spend eight or ten hours in prayer. I really have a desire to spend every waking hour in the presence of Almighty God. You know, and people say things like, we can't do that. Yes, you can. You really can. I know that we have to go out and have jobs. But what I've learned is if you can get in the glory early in the day, then you can stay in that presence all day long. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult for me sometimes because everything in me, when I go to the grocery store, pastor, I want to put headphones in and just uh, listen to the word of God or, or listen to preaching or listen to worship and just wherever I'm in, just live in my own little world. Very difficult for me not to do that. But uh, God might call on me to do something and I want to make sure that, that I can do that. But, but you very much can. And so I don't think it should be a challenge to pray eight or ten hours a day. I think what we should do is have a goal to spend every day in the presence of God. And uh, get up early in the morning and spend time in his presence and in the word. And people will say, well, I can't read my Bible. Uh, I, you know, I know I've seen a lot of folks that have their phones. You've got the little Bible app. Very easy to put that on play and just listen to the word. Come on, somebody. And uh, faith cometh by what? Hearing by what? The word of God. So, man, if you will just start uh, just allowing the Holy Ghost just to invade you, amen? We are getting ready to see a major culture shift. And I really believe, and just share a few things with you prophetically, the Bible says in Amos 3 that God does nothing without first revealing it to his prophets. Somebody say Nothing. That means not a thing. That's very important. So what we need is God's prophetic voice to be speaking through his man, through his woman, and declaring things over our lives. And uh, so uh, as I was praying this week, some things that I saw in the spirit, uh, when I got up early this morning, I went down to the hotel uh, lobby and, and had breakfast, and the news was on for a little bit. And I seen a lot of ruckus about the, the wedding. You know, I don't follow those things, and I knew what was going on. You know, I know people are all enamored by it, uh, but uh, but I saw that 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 the, there was a, a, a wedding, and there was a, a princess and a prince, and you know those those things are all very nice. 
you know, but uh, I, I want you to know my, my mind instantly went to the condition of our nation and the condition of our world. And um, even though we are enamored with those things, we live in a very real world where there are very real things going on. There are real problems right now. And even though right now, you know, uh, financially America is really rising. God is doing something in our nation. Uh, I, I, I was so excited when we named Jerusalem as, an, as a place where we held our embassy. We, I hope people recognize the, uh, the spiritual significance of being a friend to Israel. And when we saw banners that were celebrating how uh, uh, America is a friend to Israel, that my heart woke up in that moment. And during all of this, I really feel like we are going to see some major tech companies. Uh, there's one in particular, I'm not going to name it, but I see some failure in the tech market. And, and so, so don't be, uh, don't be, um, don't be alarmed if you see some failure in the tech industry right now, because God's doing, doing some cleaning up. Because there's a lot of money that have been going to the wrong places and to the wrong things and to an ungodly agenda. But I think God is getting ready to line up strategic people that are going to start supporting the kingdom of God and going to start supporting his way and his man in this hour. Amen. How many of you believe that? Amen. So, so I want you to really be ready. Watch the sign of the times. Watch the times that we are in because God's doing some very unique things right now. Uh, today, as, uh, as we've been in these past few services, and man, Brother John did what an awesome couple days, amen. Uh, what a powerful word, and my spirit has been so stirred over those words. And, and after the service last night, when I went back to the hotel room, you know, I just felt lost in the glory and just felt lost in his presence. And all day long, I just felt stirred in my spirit. And I'm so excited about what God's getting ready to do in the church, amen. And uh, this is Pentecost, amen. Today, we are in, I, I never say it right, you know, your, your pastor has perfect pronunciation when it comes to these things, okay. But Shavuot. Say it again. Shavuot. Okay, that's going to be my best right there, okay? So I'm just, I'm a boy from Mississippi still trying to work it all out. And so, uh, but, but right now we are, we've entered into that time, right? And then on the same time, we've entered into Pentecost. And so this is an important day. So today we have an open heaven. There's an open heaven today. So I believe that it is in this time that when we begin to petition God and we begin to seek God and we begin to honor God, God begins to pour out his spirit upon us. Amen. Now, uh, of course, during the feast, we know that there are the three major feasts every year that, that God's people are, were required to, to participate in. Now, uh, it is my understanding, I, I heard a teaching on it just this past week, and uh, this rabbi said that it was customary during one of these three feasts and, and he said it wasn't it didn't necessarily mean which one it wasn't required but it was customary that uh, during one of the feasts the king himself would come out and make an appearance during one of these feasts I thought that was very prophetic because everything that God does he does surrounded uh, uh, of course we know the feast and Israel's timetable but I thought wouldn't that just be an awesome moment if Jesus just decided today to slip into the river with us and just step out and make an appearance in this house tonight. Come on, somebody. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? Because again, that is the way of the king. Amen. Uh, years ago, uh, uh, when I grew up in, uh, I grew up as a, uh, we moved around a lot. I grew up as a, uh, uh, through my grade school years in Meridian, Mississippi. And then we moved to Indiana when I was a teenager. I guess I was 13. And uh, there was this, there's this precious little place down the road, and uh, they used to have the Lord's Supper, a Passover supper, and they would celebrate it. I mean, I think you all do something real similar, Pastor, and, and uh, uh, every year during Passover, they would do this, and during Passover, Pastor Jesus showed up in the building. I mean, he literally showed up. Somebody said, well, how do you know? He stood in front of the Passover table, and somebody stood up and snapped a picture of him. 
Now, this was before we had digital cameras. This was a, an old 35-millimeter film, and I mean, it was just crazy, but you could see the Lord. I mean, everybody, of course, the power of God hit the place, and the people began to fall out under the power of the Holy Ghost, and the testimony went all over the, all over the state, literally all over the world, and people came from everywhere just to be at the place where Jesus showed up, and I think all of that is awesome, but I want you to know Jesus is showing up tonight. He's going to show up in this place tonight, amen? And so I believe that God's going to do something very strategic on this day during this season, amen? How many of you believe that, amen? And so it being Pentecost, I, I really, uh, really sought the Lord about what to share with you and really sought the Lord about uh, what to preach on tonight because I, I didn't want to just preach on Pentecost or just preach on the fire because of it being Pentecost. But at the same time, I recognized the importance of the fire of God and the importance of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I was just at a church, uh, uh, well, I, I guess it was 12 months ago this, this, this past weekend. Uh, I was uh, there for three days, and uh, we every night we had people come up and get filled with the Holy Ghost. The church had been there for a long time. And do you know that most of the kids in that church had never been uh, touched by the Holy Spirit? They had never fallen out. They had never spoken tongues. They had never had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. And, and I, how my heart was grieved. But, but once again, they did that weekend. They got filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. They got touched by heaven. And the power of the Holy Ghost fell in such an awesome and mighty way. And uh, we had many healings that took place. And many miracles and signs and wonders that happened during those three days. But, but friend, I want you to know we have gotten away from the Holy Ghost. The church culture as a whole, you know, we have decided we'll move the Holy Ghost to a back room. Uh, there was uh, someone that I know, uh, a minister that I know and love and respect. He just uh, uh, addressed a convocation of thousands of pastors. And during, that, during that, uh, that, that speech, he said, if you want your churches to grow, you are gonna have to move the Holy Ghost activity to a back room. And my heart was grieved and there was a large uproar in the community around us because that just didn't sit well where we were, okay? But friend, I want you to know while, while there are those that are wanting to move the Holy Ghost out of the service and move into a back room, there's a remnant of people that are crying out, God, we want you front and center. We want you front and center at church, at home, and at work. And I want you to know that's who God's looking for. God is not impressed with big numbers. The Holy Ghost does not look at a building and say that building's full and we've got standing room only. And then he looks at another church that has a handful of people and he says, I'll move over here but not over here. What God is looking for is a hunger. He is looking for somebody that'll rise up and say, we may be outcasts, we may have had a hard time, but God, I'm as hungry for you today as I was the day I got saved. I've been 25 years in ministry and I am as hungry for God today as I was the very first day I stepped in the pulpit and preached a message. See, uh, hunger is the great equalizer because there are people that can out-preach me, they can out-pray me, out-fast me, not that it's a competition, but they'll be hard-pressed to out-hunger me. God's looking for hungry people. Hunger does something to you. Hunger will push you to what you need. They tell us when your body starts craving something, you have to go looking for it and you need to eat what your body is craving. They, they when uh, your body starts crying out, I need food, I need substance, it's for a reason. The tank is empty and you need to go out and find something to eat. And what I've learned is hunger is our friend because it will lead us to the right thing at the right time. And see, the thing is, we are trying to avoid being hungry today. You know, uh, they tell us, you know, of course, for weight loss, we need to avoid being hungry. We need to eat six times a day or whatever it is to avoid being hungry. And, but hunger should be a friend. We should get used to being hungry. Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness. At the end of 40 days, I can't imagine how hungry he was. You know, if you ever thought about this, right after Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness, he immediately went into, the, into Jerusalem and started throwing people out of the temple. 
Jesus was not just hungry, he was hangry. <laughs> but the Bible says at the end of 40 days that angels came and fed him and supernaturally sustained him and something miraculous happened at that moment that was because of a hunger are you hungry tonight i mean are you hungry it's my desire tonight to stir something inside of you that makes you more hungry tonight than what you were last night or last week or last year uh maybe there are some of you that that you've been missing out and and um you've not been hungry for a while but but it's my desire tonight for you to get hungry again. I love that pastor wants us to talk about revival. And in the past few nights, we have shared revival stories. I do a lot of that because it will ignite hunger in people's lives. And today, as I was spending time in prayer, the Lord really began to talk to me about hunger and, and what hunger will do and the effect that it will have on us. And we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3 in just a little bit. So, so if you want to put your, your finger in, in Daniel chapter 3. But I was in Waldron, Waldron, Arkansas here a few years ago preaching revival. And uh, we were there for 10 days. And during this time, they, the, uh, the power of God came in so strong that, that uh we were, we were worshiping, and I, and I thought of it tonight because of how the glory fell. As we were worshiping, God began to move, and there was started, people started crying out and started running to the altars during the, during the praise and worship, literally getting up out of their seat and running and, and, uh, and jumping on the altars. And uh, I, I just took the microphone and, and just began to address the people, and I said, we are in a sovereign moment here. That God is moving in a special way. If there's anything in your life that should not be there in the presence of God, we need to get it right. And pastor, all of a sudden the music stopped. And I thought, why did they quit playing? This is, this is so out of order. And I turned around and every person on the platform had left their instrument laying on the ground and ran to the altar and when I was, was on their faces before God. Somebody said, well, why is it? Well, there were some of them who had sin in their life that needed to be dealt with. But there was such an awesome presence of God. There was a fire of God that fell that made us look at ourselves and say, God, if there is anything between us and you remove it now friend I don't want there to be anything between me and God tonight as I address you and we prepare to pray for healing and and uh, words of knowledge to come forth I don't want there to be anything between me and God that was just a week of the fire of God it just fell in such a powerful way but if we were we were, uh, uh, as we were ministering, uh, there was this lady that they brought in. And once again, once faith gets ignited, people will start bringing the sick. You know, the church is where the sick should be coming. When you have a physical need, the first place you ought to stop. When they told my wife she had cancer, first of all, she looked at the doctor, pointed her finger at him and said, obviously you don't know my God. We didn't mean no disrespect to the medical profession. We, we honor it, but, but understand they don't understand. He got mad, walked out of the room, told the nurse, and said, you're going to have to deal with her. <laughs> the, we didn't go crying to 20 people on Facebook. or we didn't, we, didn't send out, we didn't send out a prayer chain. We went right to our pastor's house. And we said, we are going to stand, and we are going to believe for a miracle, and we got one. Amen? The church should be the place where the sick folk come. And so faith had, had gotten so high and that, that this particular night there was this lady they brought in and I had seen her before but she had crippling arthritis and she came in and she sat on my right hand side and, and she wept and while I was preaching she wept uncontrollably she just cried and cried out in pain. First of all, that's distracting. It's hard to preach faith when you've got somebody over here crying out in pain, right? But also I believed it was moving heaven. And so I, I, had, I just literally was addressing the people. And I walked over to her and I said, Ma'am, I said, how are things? And she looked at me, tears streaming down her face, and she said, not well, not well at all. And I said, what's going on? She began to explain her condition. And uh, her husband and her son was sitting by her. And I said, can you bring her out into the aisle? 
And all of a sudden, they lifted her up and carried her out in the aisle, and they're holding her up, you know, under, uh, with their arms under her arms. And, and she's standing there crying in pain. She can't put no weight on her legs. Every joint in her body is hurting, and she can't walk. She, she can't move, and she's just in pain. And, you know, that is not God's plan for us. Why is it that we accept that? Why is the church, why do we think we serve such a small God that it doesn't matter if it's cancer or AIDS or diabetes or a headache or a cold that we run to the doctor rather than run to God? Come on, somebody. And so she's crying out in pain, and in that moment, I felt the fire of God fall in that church. I mean, it was, Pastor, it was such an awing moment. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, the Bible says to build yourself up in the most Holy Ghost. You know, I love that article. I read that when you said it to me. That was such an amazing article on the importance of being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in heavenly language. And, and, uh, but you know, the Bible says to build yourself up in the most Holy Ghost. That's like cranking a generator. That's what I felt happening in the spirit at that moment. I felt like there was something that was cranking and it felt like something was just amping up and it was like a ball of fire was falling in that house. And all of a sudden, I became aware of me. That sounded weird. That felt really odd to me. And I thought, God, I'm not in sin. I've not done anything wrong, but I felt this overwhelming presence of conviction. And all of a sudden, I felt that I was standing in the presence of and even though I didn't see him, I saw him. And I turned around and turned my, put my back to the people I was praying for, which was just, it was rude, you know. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I just felt the presence of God. And I cried out to God and said, God, I don't want there to be anything between me and you right now because I might be the gate for her miracle. The importance of the fire of God is to keep our lives pure and right because you might be the answer to somebody's prayer. You might be the person that lays hands on the sick. You might be the person that speaks a word over somebody's life that changes their life forever. And then I turned around and she is weeping and the power of God's all over her. She went from crying out to crying out. Come on. The power of God hit this lady. She goes down and lays there. All of a sudden, people start getting healed and touched and delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost. She laid on the ground for 20 minutes. She could not walk into the building. But after 20 minutes, brother, she jumped up, took off running around the building completely healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Man, I wish somebody would praise God for about 10 seconds. <clears throat> Man, when you get hungry, when you get hungry, you might be the conduit for somebody's miracle. Last summer, it was uh, last July, I, was, uh, I went to a, a church. I was telling you about a pastor. It's called the Soul Barn. Soul Barn, they have Saturday night service too. Uh, it's funny how they got their name, Soul Barn. Uh, this, young, this young man, I guess he's in his 70s, so it's a real young man. And... Uh, he gets saved and full of the Holy Ghost and on fire and starts having church services in an old barn. And so they used to call the, you know, the old barn or something. And one night people were getting saved and some old man jumped up in the middle of the service and yelled, this ain't an old barn, it's a soul barn. So now they got the soul barn. So about a decade later, man, they are just on fire. On a Saturday night, it's La Villa, Iowa, it's a, it's a small town. I mean, good grief, a little bitty place. And uh, uh, people just come hungry, come hungry. And uh, preachers from all over the country come there and minister and share. And, and I was there, and there was this, uh, there's this young man who actually, he was from Bentonville, Arkansas. His family was just, just, a, just a few miles down the road from me. And uh, I'd never met him before, and, and I ministered to him about some things that God had put on my heart and spoke prophetically over his life. And it was him and his son, and I put them together. And, you know, those of you who know how the gift works, sometimes when you, you're praying for people, you put them together. You know, you put families together. Sometimes it's just, just how God will speak to you. And so God put this husband and this son together for me, and I was praying with them. And I went through, and I started praying just for everybody in the building, and I get to this little girl. 
she was maybe 15 or 16 years old, I guess, and she was just a real pretty sweet little girl. She's standing there, and the power of God is over, and she's shaking under the, presence, under the power and the presence of God. She's just shaking. And, and uh, I began to just, just pray over her, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke this little phrase to me. He said, tell her I'm putting her family back together. Now, you know, I don't know anything about this little girl, so it was really kind of a step of faith, and I didn't, you know, I, you know. So what I've learned is when God talks, you know, you just got to step out. And so I said, sis, I said, the Lord told me to tell you that he was putting your family back together. And she started screaming and shouting, and she hits the ground, and she reaches in her pocket, and she pulls out, a, Sister Karen, a prayer list. And at the top of that prayer list, what I didn't know is this young man and his son, that's, that's her dad and brother. And their mom left. And at the top of her prayer list, it said, God, please put my family back together. Man, that, that, I was so excited and, and man, I believing for a miracle. So I was back there six months later. And the dad came and he shared this testimony with me. He said, Brother Biddy, do you remember when you were here last? Remember when we met you? What an awesome night. He says, well, what you don't know is our family had been broke up for, for a, I don't know, a few weeks, a couple months. And my wife's living somewhere else. And my daughter's been staying with her. And he said that uh, God's done such an awesome miracle in our family, putting our family back together. But my daughter came home after that service. And when she came in, my wife was sitting in the chair. And she said, where were you at about 8.30 tonight? She said, I was in church. And she says, what happened? And she told her the story. And the mom started crying. And she said, I was in the shower. And the presence of God came in the shower and told me that I needed to get back together with your dad and we needed to work things out. Man, isn't God awesome? Man, I tell you that, not to build up Biddy Baker because it's the Holy Ghost, you know, we're just yielded vessels. But I tell you that because you might be the conduit for somebody's miracle. You might be the one that God speaks to, who God might speak the secrets of somebody's heart into your heart, into your life, so that change could come for you. What if you're the, the key to your neighbor going to heaven? What if you're the key to, to the person that you buy gas from going to heaven? What if it's you? You know what I've learned is, is when, you, when you allow God to use you and you yield, God will cause supernatural occurrences to take place in your life and cause the most unusual people to enter your life. Here, uh, here just a few weeks ago, I was just sharing this with Pastor today, part of the story. I, my wife and I, we didn't get away for our anniversary. Our anniversary is back in November. And uh, my schedule was just too hectic, and in the springtime, things seems to slow down a little bit. And, and so uh, I was, uh, we, we went, up to, went up to Branson, Missouri for just, uh, just a couple days, and uh, we were staying at a hotel and things, and we were down in the, the lower part of that hotel down by the lobby and things, and we were down there just kind of sitting, you know, talking, my wife and I, and all of a sudden, this young man and his, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know if it was his wife or girlfriend, they come in, they sat like across from us. And my wife and I, we were talking about evangelism, but we were talking about traveling. We didn't use the word evangelists or preachers or anything like that. We were just talking about things we were getting ready to do, places we were going. And, and uh, this young man speaks up, and he says, oh, you travel a lot. And I said, yeah, I, said, you know, I travel quite a bit. And we started talking. And his next question is, guess what? Well, what do you do for a living? And, uh, you know, I've heard people dance around these questions. You know, they said, oh, you know, I work for the big guy or, you know, who's Santa Claus? No, the big guy, you know. You know, I said, no, sir. I said, I'm a, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, you know, my wife and I were full-time evangelists and we travel the country and, and preach. And, and he stopped and he looked at me and said, oh. And so we just kept talking. Come to find out he was the backslidden son of a, of a preacher. And he starts telling me about the things that he, I mean, I've never met this young man before. Never seen him before in my life. He starts telling me all the things that had been going on between him and his dad. And that he'd been running from the Lord, but it was time to come back home. Come on, somebody. 
And so I just began to talk to him and encourage him. I said, well, son, uh, uh, I called him by name. I don't even remember his name now, him or his wife's. But, but I said, God brought you into our lives today for a reason. And I want you to know that he loves you. and He's got an awesome plan for you and for you. And they started crying. And the power of God touched them. And they just so happened to be there that weekend to come back to his dad to meet for the first time in years. Man, isn't God good? You might be the conduit for somebody's miracle. You might be the voice that speaks the right words to cause a prodigal to come home. Come on, somebody. Throw up your hands and just love on Jesus for a minute. Man, Lord, I just love you so much. I thank you for prodigals coming home. I thank you for breakthroughs, Lord. I thank you for it, Father God. I want to talk to you just for a moment about about, let, let, let me, let me share, I got one more testimony I want to share with you real quick before I, I, I read Daniel 3. And I had this written down, so I want to make sure that I, I shared this with you. We, we've just been in an awesome season, and God's been doing some awesome things. We've been seeing signs and wonders, but we were at a, uh, it was camp meeting last year at our, at our home church. And God just began to, uh, I was ministering during the altar, and and uh, the reason I share this is because a little bit later I want to minister to you. And God has been stretching me in, a, in my gift and, and been giving me names and addresses and, and some new things. And these things are, are uh, they're not new to me, but the way that it's been coming has been very new to me. Okay? And so I just ask you to, you know, be believing with me and praying with me and, and just, just uh, be open to God using me. Well, um, I was in the altar and I was praying for this uh, precious young lady and the Lord gave me the name Rebecca. And pastor, I, uh, uh, I knew this young girl, I knew that wasn't her name. And many of you, I know your name, so if God gave me, you know, Brianne, that really wouldn't be a great revelation, right? You know, because I know your name, right? But he might give me the name of somebody you're praying for or your children or your grandchildren or, or somebody close to you. Well, well, I said, I said, sis, I said, does Rebecca mean anything to you? Is that... And she said, no, no, brother, I, I don't know who that is. And I said, well, that's okay, because the Lord told me that there was a Rebecca that was getting ready to come into your life, that you were going to need her at a certain time in your life. But it was going to be a Rebecca that came in. And it was a big step of faith for me now, because uh, uh, the, the person that I was minister, it was a, a minister, it was a minister that I love and no respect. It was their daughter. And so uh, it was just a big step of faith for me, so... Back in January, this, this young lady had gotten um, into a, let's just say, a legal situation in another country. And uh, she, it's not that she did anything wrong. It was just through some work that she was doing over there. She found herself in, a, in, in some, uh, not, not going to jail trouble, but problems legally, okay? And it, it was going to cost her thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, and so they began to pray, and they got a lawyer over there, and the lawyer started working with them, and the problem was they needed a law to be changed. That was the only way that this was all going to work out. And so, uh, again, they were covering this thing with prayer, and all of a sudden there was a politician that they, uh, that they were going to go see and that was, they were going to meet with that was going to help them with this situation. And she calls me when she goes, she goes into the office. She goes in. Pastor, she sits down at this desk, and, and the, the lady's desk is right there, and there's a nameplate on that desk, and guess what it says? Rebecca. They changed the law in her favor. They changed a law in her favor and gave her an absolute miracle. Friend, I'm here to tell you, God knows right where you are. He knows you today, and he knows the future you too. Amen. So today I want to talk to you, preach to you just for a few minutes out of the book of Daniel chapter 3. And uh, I want to talk to you about some parallels between the three Hebrew children in the church today. Amen. And uh, so let me, uh, let me start in verse... Um, uh, let's start in verse 15, and I'm going to pick up just right here in the uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 15. It says, Now if ye be ready... At what time you hear the sounds of the flute and the different instruments, fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast that same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that, God, that shall deliver you out of my hand? And so we'll stop right there just for a second. Lord, I thank you for this word tonight. God, we honor it. And we ask that it be bread to our bodies, God. 
God, bread to our spirits, and we thank you for it, and we give you the glory and the praise for this word in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Listen to how the world is trying to intimidate the church. How the world, and I think it is interesting that the, the enemy is using music to do it. You know, people always said, you know, why was it that, that uh, you know, I remember back when I was a kid, it was such a big push. You know, but do you remember when you used to play the records backwards? They called it backmasking. And there would be, you know, messages and things in that. Today, you don't have to play it backwards. It's just there, blatantly there. You know, some of the stuff that, that uh, you know, I'm not a, I don't watch a lot of just TV, so I'm not real, uh, real current on, on uh, popular television shows per se. So some of the times when I'll see a clip of something, I'm thinking, is that really television today? Because it's come a long way from when I was a kid. You know, but the intimidation factor from music, and we begin to think and meditate on why music. Well, of course, Lucifer was in charge of music in heaven. So, of course, he would try to take over the entertainment industry as a whole today and do everything possible. And what we don't, what we don't realize is we've come a long way from there being one word of profanity in a movie called Gone with the Wind to today where anything goes anywhere in entertainment at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, such a, I mean, all of a sudden we said it's just one word and it can't matter to anybody. Now here we are all these years later, it doesn't matter what is said and words are powerful things. So once again, the enemy wants to take over the entertainment industry, but see the, and, and they recognize the power of it. The entertainment industry as a whole is the largest money maker in America. I'm not talking about just music or just movies, but when you combine all of entertainment together, sports, music, and the industry as a whole, it is the largest industry in America, producing hundreds and billions of dollars. I mean, it's unbelievable. And the enemy recognizes that if he can get you every day on your drive back and forth to work, or at night when you're sitting down to relax, he knows that he's got you. Used to folks had to hide pornography in a box in the back of their garage. Today it's just on folks' phone and they can access it anytime that they want. But I want you to know God is getting ready to bring a revival to this nation where the fire of God is going to touch us in such a way where we don't have a craving or a desire for that filth anymore. And the thing is, it's not just out there in the world, it's in the church. It's in the church. We need to be a church that has the fire of God in us. We need to be, where is the fear of the Lord of the church today? Where is the fear of God? I seen somebody the other day, they had a shirt on that said, Pastor, only God can judge me. And I thought that ought to scare the fires of hell right out of you. Because Pastor Scott loves me enough that if he judges me, he's going to wait that judgment and he's going to love me in spite of my foolishness. But my sin separates me from God. And I don't want anything separating me from God. One day my little girl had come in. She had taken a test at school. And she came in and, and, um, and I, said, I said, Reggie, how did you do on that test today? And she smiled and said, Dad, I did good. I passed that test. And she told me she got an A or a B on it. And I said, I said, oh, daddy's so proud of you. And she was little, you know, she was eight or nine at the time. And so that night, we always, you know, we prayed with the kids every day. We read their Bibles and did devotions with them. I mean, we did what we were supposed to do as parents to raise godly children. So at night, we prayed with the kids and then would send them to bed. And I had walked by my daughter's room and I heard her in there crying. And I walked in her room and I said, Reagan, I said, what's wrong? And she sat up in her bed and she said, Daddy, I have something I need to tell you. I said, baby, what, what's happening? I sat by her and I took her in my arms and she said, Daddy, I, I failed that test today. I lied to you. And I love daughter and I said, baby, I said, I'm really proud of you for talking to me. I'm disappointed that you lied, but, you know, and, I, and I'm disappointed you didn't study for your test, but I'm so proud of you for being honest with me. And she looked me right square in the face and she said, Dad, I love you, but I'm really not concerned about what you think right now. <laughs> and I said, really? And she said, my problem is I feel like there's something in between me and Jesus right now. 
And I want you to pray with me to make sure that my heart is right between him. I want you to know I've watched my kids sing on platforms all over the nation. I've watched them as they proclaim the gospel and preach the gospel. But I have never been prouder of my children than in that one moment when my daughter looked at me and she said, Daddy, I'm not concerned about what you think right now. I'm concerned about my heart being right with Jesus. Man, we've got to have a fear of God back in the church again. Not just in the world, but in the church. We've, uh, we're preaching a greasy grace, a slimy gospel that says we can do anything we want. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm prophetic, so that's, that's my nature. But I want you to know that, that there's got to be a fear of God and the fire of God will bring that. <laughs> there was a man, he... Laid in his bed down in Georgia, he laid in his bed, he was a multimillionaire, had a large colonial style house, peach trees, uh, lined his driveway of his home, it was a gravel driveway, and the local pastor had been called in that this man was going to die, he was not saved, his wife had begged him for years to come to church, begged him for years to, to, to go to children's plays or Christmas, or he, he refused, he was adamant that the gospel was a farce and all they wanted was to control people and take their money and she pleaded. At his deathbed, he called for the preacher. And as the, the pastor, he said, as I was coming in the, that old colonial house, beautiful plantation, the man was a multimillionaire. Money doesn't mean nothing on your deathbed. And he said, as he was coming in and he got within just a thousand feet of the house, he could hear the cries of that man in his bed. And he said that the, the peach trees were beautiful. They were all in bloom. And it was just an amazing day. He said, I got out of my car, and they were standing at the door, and he said, they rushed me upstairs. And he says, I ran up the stairs, and I saw this powerful man whose people's future was, was at his pen, his signature. I saw him as he huddled up at the top of his bed with his sheet pulled up over him screaming, I feel the flames of hell and nobody can stop it now as he was breathing his last breaths. And his wife wept and for whatever reason they weren't able to convince him to even after what he was experiencing, they, they, there was no fear of God. There's no fear of God. I'm not afraid of God as an entity on the throne, going to throw lightning bolts at me if I mess up. Nor do I feel like I'm cursed if I've fallen short or, or made a mistake. But I'm fearful of him like I was of my mom. Or a spiritual father who said, Son, if you get out of line, I love you enough that I'm going to correct you. But friend, there has got to be a sovereign fear of God. And sis, I tell you, whenever, when I'm driving down the road, I'll see somebody in a car and I'll think, Are they saved? And my heart will burn so hard and, and so bright with the fires of the Holy Ghost that says, are they saved? If they died today, would they go to heaven? Do they know anything about the love of God? And there are times that it keeps me up at night. And friend, I want you to know we need to be a people that are full of the fire of God. When the fear of God begins to burn inside of you, the things, the trivial things that we argue over in the church and in the ways we're baptized and all of these things that people just want to fight over or, you know, everybody's got a method. People want to say, this is how you deliver and that's how you deliver and this is how you baptize and that's how you pray. Man, when the fire of God gets a hold of you, none of that matters because in the presence of God, people get set free. In the presence of God, people get healed and saved and delivered. I was not saved by an altar call. I wasn't saved by an altar call. Pastor, I, I, I love altar calls. I've seen tens of thousands of people come into the kingdom of God through altar calls, personally in my own ministry. Thousands this past year alone. But I wasn't saved by an altar call. I was saved in an atmosphere of fire. The presence of God was so strong that I got up and I ran to the altar and I got filled with the Holy Ghost and saved all at the same time. I wasn't even seeking it, but I was in the presence of God. 
And I, I hope you're hungry for the fire of God. And the king said, if you don't worship what I say to worship, when I say to worship it, we're going to throw you in the fire. But the problem is, when you're full of the presence of God, fire does not intimidate you. Come on, somebody. When you're full of the fire, fire doesn't intimidate you. They can't intimidate us with death. Death is a death is a victory for you and I. Jesus said, you've got this backwards. You are rejoicing at birth and weeping at death. We need to rejoice at death and weep at the birth. See, when the fire of God gets in our lives and our spirits, they would not conform to the church of the day. And they threaten them with fire. Friend, I want you to hear this. This is prophetic for this generation. The church of the day wants you to conform, and they're threatening you with fire. Because if we don't conform, we get the fire. Oh, see, nobody's going to help me today. If you refuse to conform to the church of today, the religious, traditional, you are going to get the fire of God in your church, in your house, in your community. They weren't afraid of persecution. I thought we'd been persecuted before. We'll be persecuted again. But the fire of God will deliver us. They proclaimed, they made a proclamation of faith. They said, our God is able to deliver us. That should be your response to anything the enemy ever says to you. My God. See, the moment fear leaves your life, you are unstoppable. The moment fear leaves, the moment you're not afraid of a minister that if I said their name, you would know. You would know who they were. They had gone to see the passion of the Christ. And they had a, you know, how many of you have seen that in a theater? You seen it in a theater? I mean, I've seen that. I, I, I really have a hard time watching it. I mean, I've seen it a few times, but every time it's, I mean, it affects me for so many days. You know, in, in, in a good way, but also a heavy way. You know, I'm, once again, I'm, I've got that prophetic nature. I'm very melancholy. It affects me so so dramatically, but but I'd gone to the movies to see that, and you know it blows me away how you sit there and you watch everything. There are people eating popcorn and M and M's and stuff and around you, and I just you know I, I I don't understand it, but okay, I'm glad they got the gospel anyway, right? You know they were preached the gospel, amen. And so uh, my friend was in the theater, and that was around him, and he got so convicted. Famous famous words I know to say. Famous minister, everyone would know him. At the end of the movie, while the credits were rolling, nobody moved. And in a step of boldness, this precious man got up and addressed the, the whole theater, packed full of people, and began to say, the man that you just saw on that screen is real, and he really died for you, and within a couple minutes preached the gospel. And all of a sudden, there was a, there was a handful of the ushers from the movie theater came in, tried to settle him down, but there were three or four bikers that stood up and held him back. <laughs> Come on. And said, why don't y'all just let him talk? All of a sudden, he gave an altar call right there in that theater. And three or four hundred people responded and gave their heart to Jesus. Because of the fire of God, somebody burned so strong with the convicting power of the Holy Ghost that they said, I can't sit here and let people die and go to hell. It said that, they said, our God is able to deliver us. Your God is able to deliver you. If it's sickness, he can deliver you. I've heard people say of sickness, they said, you know, Brother Penny, I've really got faith to pray for other people to get healed, but when it comes to me getting healed, I just don't have faith for that. I have never understood that statement because I know me. I know me. I know that I pray. I know that I spend time with God. I know I seek him. I know where my faith is. I can believe for other folks to get healed and me. But when it comes to me, man, I can just stand on this word. God speaks something to me. I'm like a tree planted by the water. I'm not moving because God has spoken to me. Amen. When you have a word, when you have a word that is so ingrained in your spirit and in your life that you decide, I'm not going to be moved on this. I'm not going to be moved. This house has a word. These people have a word. You, you, your neighbor, look at your neighbor and tell him you have a word. Do you have a word? Pastor, you have a word. You've got an awesome word from heaven. You have a word. You can stand on that word no matter what. See, uh, 
there comes a moment in your life where you just have to settle in and say, everything around you looks like it's lost. The money's not there. The desire's not there. You don't feel the fire, but you have a word. Faith comes by what? Hearing. You got that word. You got it in your spirit and you stood on it no matter what. Your, your family was a wreck, but the Lord said that you were going to be okay. He's going to pull you through. You, the doctor said it was terminal, but God said it wasn't. And you have to stand on that word no matter what. There just comes a moment when you have to stand on that word. You have to pick up your Bible. You've got to roll through that Bible, and you've got to find a promise that you can stand on no matter what. They were prepared to die. They said, God is able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. They said, there is nothing that you can put on us. There is nothing that you can say to us that can deter us from what God, God was going to do in our life. The fire, we've got to be prepared for the fire. The fire should be burning stuff out of us. You know, the church today should have progressed to the point to where we don't want sin in the house rather than being accepting of it, overlooking it. We should have progressed to that place by now. The fire of God should burn. Why, why is it, and I, I love worship music, y'all, and I believe in good worship music. And you guys have some of the best, best worship in the country. But in the modern church, when we worship God, what do we do? We sing a song. Or we write a song, right? Oh, that's great. I love that. But why in the Old Testament, when they worship God, they build an altar? It's far easier to sing a song than it is to build an altar process takes a lot longer and pastor it's on that altar that stuff dies the intention of an altar is you say I'm putting that there and I am never going back to it again I'm burning down the house and I am salting the field so it never produces again I will never go back to it but we have we become accustomed to running back to it and picking it up and going back to it and picking it up and picking it up and carrying it around for a few days and then we get convicted and we lay it down again and then we pick it up and then we lay it down and we've gotten stuck. See what the enemy does? We have power over the enemy. You know that, right? We have authority over him in Jesus' name. I deal with the devil every day of my life. Every day I deal with him, but I deal with him. He don't deal with me. I get him out of my way and I move on about my day. I heard somebody say, I don't spend any time dealing with the devil ever. You know, I deal with him once a day. He's out of my way, and I go throughout my day, and I'm good. I don't spend all day long cursing him or telling him to get behind me. I do it in the mornings. I get it out of the way. He's out of my way. I got divine communication between me and my daddy. The rest of the day, I'm good. Okay? So, um, and, I, and I say that to say that, that we, have a, we have power. We have authority over the enemy. We should utilize that. We should take authority. We should take that place of authority. We should be who God's called us to be. And when, when we are threatened by the enemy, we have to remind him that we, we do have authority. And we should utilize that authority. Take authority over your mind. When, you, when you, you've got mind battles going on, I, I'll tell you a little, a little secret, something I, that, that I did. I was fighting some mind battles and I was having some things going on in my life. Do you know what I did? I went and I found something that I could use, whether it was a book or or something that I could use. And, and I took it, and pastor, I started taking communion over it. Every day, and said, God, I'm taking communion over my mind. And I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over my mind. And when I started having some physical problems, I did the same thing. I just went, and I, I got my communion, and I got my, my bread and my wine and my, my grape juice, and I would take communion over that, and I would say, God, I plead the blood over this. And we take communion daily. That's, that's, that's a part of our culture. But I want you to know there is something about pleading the blood over stuff. Some, there's power in pleading the blood. That's another message for another day. But, but stuff should die at the altar, not be picked up and carried around and picked up and carried around. They weren't afraid of the fire. They, 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 there was nothing that they could throw at them that they were afraid of. They said, fire can't burn fire. My fire will burn so much hotter than this fire, they can't destroy me. People are, what, what the church needs today is a move of God, a sovereign move of God. The fire of God. I remember the old days of revival. We say old days. The old days of revival that you would drive by churches and people would say, I saw it on fire. 
there are testimonies of churches that they actually called the fire department. And the fire department would show up. I mean, real stories. I mean, this, this was common because of the revival fires. And then all of a sudden, people started getting concerned about wildfire or strange fire. And so what they said was, is we'll just throw out all of the fire. And see, that's where we've made our mistake. We need to be hungry for the fire of God. And we've got to let it settle in our spirit that God's ability to keep us is far greater than the devil's ability to deceive us. That's why you have a good shepherd that protects you from strange fire or something. But, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then lastly, and I wrote this down, so I want to, when I was praying, I wrote this down. But Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, their obedience afforded them an encounter with God. Because God showed up in the middle of the fiery furnace. So much so that the king looked down and said, I see a fourth man in the fire. I see somebody else in there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible says, I think it's interesting how it talks about how, you can go back and read all this later, but it talks about all the clothes that they wore. And yet the Bible says they came out without even the smell of smoke on them. Friend, we need to be a people who desire the fire of the Holy Ghost. If you'll stand with, to your feet with me tonight, amen. If we could just put on something worshipful, Pastor. Or <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to take just a minute and pray in the Holy Ghost. Just go ahead and let that heavenly language just begin to roll out of you. Now tonight, if you do not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost, I want to make sure that, that we pray for you and ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Lord, we just love you, Jesus. Come on, just begin to press in for a minute. Holy Spirit, as we have shared the word that you gave to me, God. God, I ask right now that your precious fire fall. Lord, I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I praise you, God. God, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, God. And this is what I'd like to do. And keep praying in the Holy Ghost, so just listen to me, but keep praying in the Holy Ghost. If you do not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost, why don't you come right down here in the middle? We want to pray with you tonight. Amen? So if you do not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the evidence of speaking in tongues, this is your night. Amen? Praise God. If you'll just take, oh, just a couple steps back for me. Amen? Give me and Pastor plenty of room to move through here. <clears throat> Amen? Lord, we just thank you, Lord. Pastor, if you, you can come and help me, and amen, if there, there's uh, anybody else that you would need to come up here to, to help us with this part, amen. Lord, I just praise you, God. Come on, just pray. Let's create an atmosphere. Just create an atmosphere. Lord, I praise you, God. One of the greatest hindrances to people receiving the Holy Ghost is, man, we get this in our head. I've seen it so many times. It's, it's just in our head. We just got to get out of our head and just got to be obedient. And what we've learned is the more you yield to God, the more God will move for you. Amen. So once you start yielding to God, God will start moving in so many areas of your life. Amen. So dear Lord Jesus, just right now, Holy Spirit, we just release you right now just to move. God, right now, right now. Lord, we bind every hindrance, every obstacle right now.